0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Davina is an imaginative, strong-willed teenage girl who often escapes into a beautiful, twisted fantasy life. Having grown up quickly as the sole caretaker of a disabled mother, she looks for salvation in a new relationship with an older boy. Davina is swept into the whirlwind of romance and adventure, but the enchantment of her new relationship quickly fades when Sterling's volatile side begins to emerge. I Believe in Unicorns takes us on a road trip through a stunning and complex landscape of troubled young love. We are joined today by the director of I Believe in Unicorns, and that would be Leah Meyerhoff. Leah, welcome to Film School.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, Well, the obvious question, where did the story for I Believe in Unicorns come from?
1: Sure. Um, So I wanted to make this film, and I wanted to become a filmmaker in the first place, because I'm interested in telling more stories with female protagonists who feel relatable and real and have an imaginative interior life. Um, so I'm interested in telling a story about a character that we rarely get to see on the big screen.
0: Yeah, well, it's well, a character that we rarely see in with this level of complexity and internal, you know, emotional life, and and a, a young woman in 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 a part of her life where she is just beginning to understand. Her own self, in many ways, and also the relationships that uh, she is embarking upon. Um, and she is a strong character. She's a very strong character. So uh, I thought you did a wonderful job in kind of putting her her, uh, her internal life on the screen. Um, this is a very distinctive, I believe in uh, unicorns, It's a very distinctive visual look to it. Uh, what was it that went into that? It's very imaginative. Uh, lots of stop action. Lots of things going on. Tell yeah, me a little all bit about it really it your... comes
1: back to the character, yeah. so this film is telling a story about a sixteen year old girl right. named Davina who runs away from home with an older boy and quickly gets in over her head and attempts to navigate the realities of her existence through escaping to a fantasy world. So it's a real collage of an aesthetic. Um, kind of all of the aesthetic decisions in the film were made with the lead character's voice in mind. We really tried to tell the story as subjectively as possible from her point of view. So to that end, we chose to shoot on super 16-millimeter film combined with super 8-millimeter film and did a series of stop-motion puppet animation sequences to really flesh out the mind, this dreamy, imaginative mind of this young girl.
0: You know, I, I, when I read that it was 16... I didn't believe it. I, I'm still not sure I, know, I believe it. I know, no
1: one it. does it anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, but oh, not even that. It's just how visually, uh, you know, it, appealing and, and uh, there's some, I mean, the, the film has a real warm feel to the look of it. Is yeah, that, it is has that... a real
1: texture to it. Yeah. Um, and we, I collaborated quite closely with, um, I worked with two different cinematographers, Jaron Blaschke and Shlomo Goder, mm-hmm. and an animator named Josh Mahan and a production designer, Catherine Rush. And together we really built this world that has a fantastical, surreal, dreamy feel to it, and yet also balances with the grittiness of Davina's teenage reality. And we were hoping to create a real porous border between what is real and what is not real. I mean, when I was 16 years old, the way that I saw the world was through this fantastical lens. And sometimes I'd be focusing right on the reality of what was in front of me and other times I'd be daydreaming or in my head. And so there's this real kind of fluid way of filming and also of editing that creates a visual style that's unique and something we don't often see in in independent coming-of-age films.
0: Yeah, well, just just to not focus so heavily on, too heavily on the 16-millimeter side of this, is that, that warmth... I have, again, I'm trying to think of a feature film. I don't know if I've seen a feature film uh, in 16. Does, it, is that the, That's what you got from that, from the 16, was that, that kind of, as you put it, the yeah, forest difference. It, that's
1: what we were going for. And we actually, yeah. we, um, we shot, we got, we were lucky to receive a really generous donation from Fuji. So we shot primarily on Fuji film stock. And then we also ordered some... Expired film stock um, just off eBay. And I, you know, we often would shoot with several cameras at once. I have an old Bolex that I've had since I was about 16 years old, um, which we brought to set along with a Super 8 camera and would shoot some of these expired stocks, not even sure what we were going to get until we got the film back from the lab. So people often ask how much of the film is scripted versus improvised. And although the, the dialogue and the acting is heavily scripted, Some of the visuals were actually, we found through an improvisational technique. We spent about five days doing what we like to call a fantasy shoot, where we just went upstate in upstate New York and experimented visually with time-lapse photography and underwater photography. We lit sequences with fireworks. We did animation combining live action and animation. So we actually had our, you know, there's one scene where we, dug a giant hole in the ground and buried the actress in the ground up to her neck mm. and then animated these vines crawling out of her mouth and around her face. While well, she had to stay still for about three hours while the animation team kind of did stop motion animation with her there live. Um, so we did all kinds of things that I think were really a fun um, visual experiment, and some of my favorite moments in the film.
0: Well, what a brave thing for you to do with, as you said, not knowing exactly how all of this was going to, Turn out, yeah. it's such a, it is a very bold look, uh, and, and uh, again, I'm struggling to think of films. I, 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 what came to mind watching parts of it was *Beast of the Southern Wild*. That, that sort of was a reference for people who haven't obviously who have not seen. I believe, in unicorns yet, but uh, that's one part of it. That's not what I would call the entire look of the film, but yeah, certainly... Yeah, no,
1: Beasts of the Southern Wild is definitely a sister film. Um, I'd also say Badlands. Um, um, there's some references there. Yes, and yes. And Sofia Coppola's Virgin Suicides, an older film. Yes, um, that's
0: right. Yes, thank you.
1: <laughs> and with Beasts, so... Um, I'm actually friends with that director, and Ben Richardson, who is the cinematographer on that film, was an advisor, and I believe, in Unicorns as well. Um, mm-hmm. So in addition to being a cinematographer, he also has a background in stop-motion animation. And since this was my first attempt at animating, he was a great resource in just the ins and outs of how to... You know, not only did we shoot this entire feature on 16 millimeter film, but we did the animation on film as well, wow. which is... For the animators out there, it's an incredibly challenging, tedious thing to do. It's a very analog way of working. I mean, no one does it anymore. It's like Jan Sienkmaier and some of the older stop-motion animators would shoot on film, but you're essentially animating blind. Um, You know, we built a miniature world with dirt and trees and an entire miniature forest with these puppets inside of it and set up a film camera and would basically move a puppet one inch at a time, less than an inch, like a centimeter at a time, and shoot one frame of film, and then move a puppet in one frame of film, and do that over and over and over again until we had what we needed, and we'd send it off to the lab and get the footage back. So it was really, um, you know, the process of creating this film was really as magical as the visuals that end up on screen.
0: (laughs) Well, it is. It visually is such a, such a brave thing to do. For a, this is your first feature film.
1: This is my first feature, and it was also the first feature of our lead actress. And yeah. as long as we're talking about bravery, yeah. I would say that her performance was incredibly brave as well. Yeah. Um, she is in almost every scene of the film, and really was. You know, it's a vulnerable, brave, honest authentic performance and I'm so lucky to have been able to work with Natalia Dyer.
0: Natalia Dyer is just amazing in the film and all of the things you described in uh in her performance. Very vulnerable, very vulnerable and, and um and and at the same time brave at the same time uh you know reckless in some ways but just trying to figure things out. I mean that's how I would characterize her her, uh, her, in in this film, she's wonderful. Uh, Peter Vack is Sterling is also very solid. These are really accomplished performances uh, all around. Um, uh, now Julia Gardner isn't in the film a tremendous amount, but she plays Cassidy, a very, a very interesting role for her. I mean, just her part is
1: yeah, different if, than what we usually see her in.
0: Yeah, and 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 pivotal in kind of uh, in. Understanding uh, uh, Davina, I just, there's this, again, very critical sort of uh, feel to her character in relation to the story. Uh, and just, again, sort of this exploration of, of Davina, her place in the world, and just trying to figure things out. And I mean,
1: both of the actresses were in high school at the time that we started filming this, this movie. And that was something that was very important to me as well, was casting an actual teenage girl to play a teenage girl, which is, again, something you often don't see in Hollywood films anymore. You see, you know, it's like the nine hundred two and 90210 effect. It's 25 playing 16. Um, And I spent a long time in the casting process making sure I found really the right girl to carry this movie, and I was lucky to meet Natalia. She was a junior in high school in Nashville, Tennessee, and I came across her through a casting director who worked on the Coen Brothers film, True Grit, and she was kind of on on their radar. And we, as soon as I met her, I knew that she could be the lead in this film, and we collaborated really closely on the character. You know, the story comes from my own memories of being a teenage girl, but it also comes from her current-day experiences being 16 and all of the overwhelming emotions and complexities and, you know, chaos that happens at that time in our lives.
0: We're speaking with uh, Leah Meyerhoff. She's the director of the film, I believe, in Unicorns. It's opening uh, this week, uh, Friday, uh, June 19th. It'll be at the Arena Theater in Los Angeles. That's in Hollywood. Are you in town for that?
1: particular. I am in town, and not only am I in town, but we are doing filmmaker Q&As with special guests every single night.
0: That's what um, I saw.
1: Starting on Friday. So people can come out and meet me and a whole bunch of other filmmakers. Um, In addition to being a director, I also run a film collective for female feature directors called Film Faitals. And so a lot of our members from Los Angeles are going to be participating in panel discussions, um, including... Marielle Heller, who has another fantastic film coming out soon called Diary of a Teenage Girl, and Maura Stevens, who has a political thriller coming out called Zipper, and Rai Russo-Young, who's made several features films. Her last one was with Olivia Thirlby called Nobody Walks. So we essentially are doing a sequence of filmmaker talkbacks and discussions after every 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. screening of I Believe in Unicorns.
0: This sounds fantastic. Well, thank you for... Putting that together, that, that sounds great. So the Arena Theater is right off of Hollywood Boulevard. Um, I'm not even, I had the address, I'll find it. Yeah, it's it. a
1: beautiful little theater, yeah. and um, there's going to be receptions and, you right. know, drinks after the screening, and we're really, it's an event type of space, um, which is, again, with this type of film, a wonderful way to share it with the community and really build a community of filmmakers and film lovers. So I'm excited, I'm excited to come out to Los Angeles.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. Uh, I I will uh, hopefully we'll have an opportunity to, to uh, shake hands while you're out out Absolutely. here. Absolutely, um, I'd love y- to meet. You yeah, I would I would love to meet you as well. And uh, again, and so. Um,
1: so for those who are not able to make it out to Hollywood um, this weekend and nice. and next week, it's available on VOD and it's also available on Vimeo on demand. Okay. Um, so people can actually stream it off of our website, which is unicorns dot com. Right.
0: Okay, well, real quick, I want to go back again okay, casting. Now you're talking about um the casting of Davina and, and Natalia uh, Dyer. Peter Vack, let's talk a little bit about him. Um he's so Peter
1: Vack is wonderful as well yeah, and he's yeah. older, so he it is not his first feature film. And right. we actually have the same agent and I cast him more traditionally. He came in front audition, but I fell in love with him as well. He has this real kinetic volatile quality that we're looking for in the lead male character and here is a guy who she this girl could believably fall head over heels for to the extent that she'll even run away from home and leave everything behind to be with this guy it's almost like an addiction and i think we've all been in those relationships where we're with someone and we know they're maybe not even the one they're not quite right for us but we're so infatuated and so you know, enthralled with this idea of love that we cling to it. And Peter really brought that quality to the set. Um, He's since been, he's the lead on an MTV show called I Just Want My Pants Back. And he's also in this new Amazon Prime show called Mozart in the Jungle with Gael Garcia Bernal. So he's a more experienced actor, and he was really wonderful to have on set, Working against Natalia, who's 16, and it's her first feature film. He really, you know, helped make her feel comfortable and safe, and I think she really fell in love with him during the making of this film yeah. in some way. Well,
0: he he is. You're right. He's very charismatic. Uh, in terms of the film, uh, I, I thought his opening, his, his meeting her at the at the skateboard park was just a terrific. You could easily see, as you said, all the charisma, all the attraction, all the sort of danger in yes. her being with him in that just in that first encounter was quite a He's
1: that bad boy that we all know we shouldn't love and <laughs> yet we do anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, excellent. And and going and and also um, going back a little bit to the technical side of this. Uh, again, you 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 mentioned the cinematography or I did and you as you as well that it's just a, a just a beautiful look. Let's talk a little bit about working with uh Jaren Blask Bushke Thank you.
1: Yeah, I met, him, um, I met him through the Sundance Labs, and he had made several short films that I really enjoyed, and was excited to work with him on this feature film. Um, he has a very kind of analog way of looking at the world. Um, when we were making the film, he didn't have an iPhone. He didn't use Google Maps. Everything was kind of old-school paper maps, which just kind of gives you a sense of the way that he works. Is He would bring a lot of still photographs um, and different references to look at, which I really found appealing. And when I, as you can imagine, this sort of a film does have such a strong visual aesthetic that I we didn't work that traditionally. So when I was making this, when I was writing the script, I wrote a regular script just, you know, with words on paper in final draft. And then I also had a visual lookbook. So we had visual references for every single scene in the film. And Jaron was really a wonderful collaborator in that way. Um, We went out to locations early and would take photographs or do sketches and really flesh out the world of this character. Um, And we came up with this language uh, of elements. So one day would be, okay, today's kind of a water day, and today's a fire day, Mm -hmm. and today's an earth day. We had these shorthands for different color palettes and different amounts of grain and different types of film stock for each scene in the film and so the whole thing when it comes together it has this frenetic chaotic energetic feel and yet there's still a cohesion to the aesthetic of the film and a lot of that goes back to my collaboration with Jaron.
0: and and i would uh, echo as well the the look you referred to it earlier i was Looking for uh, references for uh, visual references for our audience to to uh, understand or to visualize what I believe in, uh, unicorns. I believe in unicorns. Wow. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, some people start singing. They're like, "I believe in unicorns." <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh right. God, I don't know where this is coming from.
0: Uh, it's in the subconscious. It is. <laughs> and, um, anyway, the the uh, the references, and uh, I, now that you mentioned Malik, and and uh, this does remind me of Badlands, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and in the relationship part of of this, this sort of couple. They're not a couple. Well, they are a couple on the run. I shouldn't say they aren't. Yeah. They are. And um, I, what I really appreciated about the look of this as well, in addition to the sort of overall visual look, uh there's it's uh, it's shot up close a lot a lot of the stuff yeah. is right up in in the face of the two main characters, and I thought he, he knew as well did a really terrific job of getting us inside uh the emotional and physicality of their relationship.
1: It's a real intimate type of a film. Yeah, it's you, you meet these two kids and you fall in love with them and then you just go on this journey with them in a very subjective way. And so a lot of the camera work, we did a lot of close-ups and a lot of just um, shallowed up the field and a real kind of almost a documentary style of shooting at times um, so that you really are experiencing their journey, you know, literally as, as, they're, on the, as, they, as they're on the run and also emotionally. Um, it's a real kind of subjective emotional experience. And people come out of the theater and are like, "Oh, like wow! I just had. I feel like I just, you know, fell asleep and dreamed for days and days. <laughs> I just went on such a, a magical, emotional journey that I haven't been on before." So, I, um,
0: yes, I, I agree, and I think that intimacy, that up close look that you you were able to get from from this film, uh, it. it it's easy to get you, you. You kind of forget the outside world while you're watching this. I yeah. mean, because you're so you're so much a part in the inside, sort of the internal um, landscape of both of these characters. That it, yeah, it's easy to just just kind of lose yourself. Lose yeah, and that's that's mm-hmm. exactly how I would put it. Lose yourself. I believe in unicorns. Uh, yes. Uh,
1: <laughs> you I, and, yeah i do now,
0: yeah, I do now, and uh, by the way, and i i you don't want to get into too much of the Bergmanian part of the film, but the but the use of the different uh um uh animation was certainly with the unicorn, and it's just fun, it's just fun to see. These references point of references, and I want to talk a little bit in the last couple minutes I have with you to talk a little bit about you mentioned uh this is a film that we rarely see we rarely see the this kind of a character uh young woman on screen. I know you as you said you worked a lot you're working a lot in sort of um incorporating women and, and female kind of uh, uh, points of view. Voices. And your, yeah, yeah, voices. There you I mean, go. When
1: I was growing up, when I would I would go sneak into the local art house cinema when I was 15, 16, and there, so rarely would I see a film that reflected my reality on screen. And I think even today there are a real lack of strong female characters on screen, and that does a disservice to all of us. I think all of us would like to live in a world in which we go into the cinema and see a reflection of the world around us. And so in many ways, I believe in unicorns is my contribution to that cultural conversation. I wanted to make the type of film that my 16-year-old self would have loved to have seen, You know, and that, you know, my 25-year-old self would have loved to have seen. And some of the strongest responses we get from this film are from young women um, who say thank you for making this film. It's so rare that I see a film told from a female point of view and specifically from a kind of artistic, dreamy, different way of seeing the world. Right. And therefore, this film, and I think all the films I will continue to make, will have complex, interesting, different female characters on screen.
0: And and, and again, I don't. I'm not giving anything away when I say one of the things I that I really loved about I believe in, in unicorns. Uh, but uh, I, the the thing I like about the character of Davina and and her her the arc of her story is uh, the way that she comes through this on the other side oftentimes yeah. you know the the films that you're you were kind of talking about from 20 30 years ago up until very recently have been that these things don't end well you know that, right. that, that they come out they don't come out on the other side having learned the, the, you know sort of the the lessons of life and and growing as a character and all the rest of it oftentimes there, there's something horrible or dire happens and this is one of the things that's wonderful about uh I believe in unicorns is that isn't the case here.
1: Yeah, uh, she navigates some murky waters but she comes out all right in the end yeah. and it's a real positive right. you know message at the end and this is a strong character who's going to go on to be a strong independent woman.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I it's been an honor and a pleasure to talk to you about I believe in unicorns. This is just a wonderful film. Again, uh, to our listeners uh, the Arena Cinema in in uh, Hollywood. You'll be there on the 19th through the run, through that week, with yeah, different filmmakers? all the film way
1: through ex- the 24th. 24th. Um, so I hope to see people out at the Arena Cinema, Sim. and if not, you can find the film at IBelieveInUnicorns.com. A-
0: and if people are interested in uh, Film Fatals, uh, is, is there a website yeah, so for that?
1: the website for that is just FilmFatalsNYC.com. It's like femme fatale But instead of femme It's film It's a bit of a play on words Right um, And we'll also be out there Every night so You can meet a bunch of other Female feature filmmakers can As well I, At the can, Arena Cinema
0: Can I be a part of the Film Fatals. almost, collected?
1: not quite. Oh. I know I get asked that all the time. I, <laughs> I really wanted tr- spaces w- for women directors.
0: <laughs> Darn, <laughs> but thank you for
1: wanting
0: to. Be. Oh, it, it just sounds wonderful. <laughs> what a wonderful kind of perspective and outlook on on filmmaking. It's just great to be able to have the chance to talk to you and. Hopefully, when uh, your next project is ready for the world, I hope you'll find a little bit of time to come join me again. Because I just really, I really, this is a fantastic film, and I'm so happy I was able to talk to you. Well,
1: thank you so much, Mike. You have a good rest of your day. uh,
0: Leah Meyerhoff, the director of "I Believe in Unicorns." Thank you. Take care.
1: Bye. Bye bye.
0: Bye.